Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Well, hello again, Trailblazers fans, and what a week it has been. This is Dave and Dia, Dave Deckard and Dia Miller here from Blazers Edge. And this time last week, we were talking about dramatic changes. There's some more dramatic stuff that's happened. I, it's hard to believe this offseason is... Uh, one for the books, uh, Dia. How I mean, c- can you even catch up at this point? It's, it's. I keep telling myself like it was only a month and a half ago that we were still playing. We're still like the finals are still going on. The off season isn't really off yet. Like we're not fully there yet. The whole NBA isn't out yet, and still it just feels like several years worth of I mean I think I've aged I think I I think this has aged me (laughs) I think I've never been so ready for a season to start and things to calm down (laughs) yeah it hasn't even ended yet as you put not even the season this isn't even August this is not you know this is not September this is wow I mean there's no they're not even to the draft yet they're not I mean you shouldn't Things, let's put it this way. Things should not be happening right now. There should be no news about the Blazers. And not only is there news about the Blazers, like all of it is crappy. Like they're like yeah. they're dying. They're not only shooting themselves in the foot, it's like they've got a Gatling gun and they're just pointing it down. It's, and oh. it's just it almost gets to the point of like, I wanna laugh, but I'm more am crying. Like every time I get a notification, I cringe. I've developed a little bit of anxiety about this. Like I'm laughing, but I'm not totally kidding. There's a lot. It's been a lot. And it's just blow after blow after blow. Every Literally every time Bleacher Report, because I only have Bleacher Report on for um, a couple of teams. I don't have it on for everybody. And so every time Bleacher Report pops up a notification on my phone, I just go, oh no, <laughs> what now? I uh, assume you have Blazer's Edge uh, up on notification as well, because, you know, yeah, well, we I mean, some Blazer yeah. Well, so Slack, but that's but Slack is because that's how I I get our notifications is through Slack, and and most of the time our notifications are I mean a lot of the times it's people talking back and forth and things like that. So I don't have that same reaction because it's, it's, it's not good. always it's like, friendly. Blazer belonging to the Blazers Edge staff is a really good thing. It's it is. It's fun. It's yeah. No, I get I read Blazers Edge more than I read Bleacher Report. Don't worry. But <laughs> I but the notifications for Blazers Edge don't bring me anxiety. Quite. The other thing about Blazer's Edge is even when it's something that's a complete like dumpster fire, our staff is so funny and like just has this way of even Danny, who's like doom and gloom, always has me making like is always making me laugh about what's going on. And so I feel like I'd much rather hear it from there 
than from some other news source because at least I'm going to get commentary. <laughs> the Blazers bring the dumpster fire and we bring the marshmallows. I mean, that's basically yeah. <laughs> the way it works. So, yeah. Well, anyway, let's dive into this uh, ongoing blaze. Uh, that's good. I mean, the oh, man, cannot, the Blazers. Get, cannot get worse. Well, at least for a couple months, it's not going to get worse. Don't okay? say that, no, Dave. I mean, it, it, there's just, it's not possible. I mean, it's just. I, I think it is. I think it is possible. Uh, I think it is possible. It is. Po- I can think of plenty of ways that that's possible. So let's not tempt fate here. <laughs> All right. Well, run us through our week anyway. Okay. So I think we'll just start off with the big stuff that was keeping all of us awake there for a little while. I woke up on, I don't remember what day it was. Friday. I want to say it was, was Friday. it Friday? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I woke up on okay. Friday morning. I want to, I'll tell you, you want to know how I know this? Because this was the one day when I had everything right. pre-planned. <laughs> Okay, everything was set to publish. We were set to go. And I'm, you know, I was the editor of the day, but it was going to be an easy day so I could spend right, it with right. my kids. I said to my kids, you know, there's no, it's just going to publish. I'll spend all day with you. Yeah. And literally, it started at seven o'clock in the morning when I got up to let out the dogs and then, you know, uh, looked and it's like, oh crap, got to write that. Yeah. And then yeah. it did uh, not stop until no. about five o'clock in the afternoon. So I, you know, it, it was just like 12 not 12 but 10 hours it, of non-stop writing and computers like sorry kids like oh kids and so yes i remember black friday for me it was yeah. it was terrible <laughs> black friday of death yeah. i woke up to a, a twitter notification for a, for a dm and it was from a podcast asking if i could jump on to talk about dame requesting a trade and i'm half asleep and i'm like what what are they? No, I'm not. Dame's not going anywhere. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking this can't be true. And so then I start opening things up and lo and behold, there was an article that came out on True Hoops from Henry Abbott. Um, First of all, it's like, stay out of my DMs. But second of all, really stay out of my DMs with that. For the record, I said, no, I'm not available. (laughs) I was not mentally prepared to deal with that. I was just like, you know what? This is not, I can't, no, I can't talk about this. Like, I would rather Um, have the stuff I usually get in my DMs than that. Oh, well. Eh. Yeah, maybe not. Um, okay, sorry. That, We're that, too far, that's too up, far. That's up for, that's still That's out. a whole um, other discussion. Got it. Yeah. So, so this article comes out and he basically says that he has sources saying that Dame is going to request a trade and all hell breaks loose. I'm getting texts. Um, one of the guys that I work for, for FIBA, we've had this ongoing debate where he's like, hey, you know, Dame's going to go to to the Miami heat. I'm like, no, he's not going anywhere. This is just this ongoing thing. And so I get a text from him because some rapper at some point in the day said, Damian Lillard officially requests trade. And then that blew up because the guy is verified on Twitter. And so I get that text and he's like, uh, told you. And I'm like, we're not friends. Leave me alone. (laughs) Like I was not prepared to deal with all of this. That article comes out and then a few hours pass, which felt like five days. And Chris Haynes comes out with an, and and in the middle of this, all of Rip City is freaking the heck out. All over Twitter, all over my Facebook groups, all over our Slack channel. Everyone's trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Is there merit to this? What's happening? Chris Haynes comes out with an article, an interview with Dame. He responds and doesn't, there's nothing in it that says he's requesting a trade. You can tell that he, my impression from the article was Dame wants to be here, but he's a little unsettled. Um, That was the impression that I got. And it was left with, he'll answer the questions about trades at the media availability today after their practice at 1230. 
which it feels like years away at this point and everybody's still freaking out and I'm reading into this and I, I'm even doing timelines, Dave. I'm like, okay, wait, if this, maybe he knew that the Henry Abbott article was going to come out. And so like, when did he talk to Chris Haynes? Is this old, like, I'm sitting here trying to figure out if there's any merit to this. I'm messaging everyone I can think of to say, do you know anything about this? I'm getting little responses here and there. Everybody's kind of trying. I'm getting messages from people saying, what do you know about this? It's just an absolute madhouse. So 12.30 rolls around and they push it back to one. And one rolls around and they push it back to 1.30. And meanwhile, we're all dying, trying to find out what's going on. And finally, Dame comes out, does his media avail availability, basically says, these are rumors, they're not true. I plan to be in a Portland uniform next year. But he also says, I want to see big change happening. Uh, this is my paraphrase. This is not his quote. But he's also saying, you know, that he wants to see some things happen. So that's where we're at with all of this. I definitely aged 15 years, had a, a, a few panic attacks, um, a little bit of a day that day. But that's where we're at. Dame plans to be in a Portland uniform this year. And that's what we know. Yeah, soft-pedaled it a little bit. He also said he hadn't made any decisions about his future. About so his future. There was ambiguity there. But, but if you put <laughs> it in a time... Call that the, let's call that the far distant future. Well, like, I think that's correct. Does he want to have 15 children? Or does he want to retire in California? Uh, that's what I'm going with. Sure. I mean, sorting it chronologically is probably <laughs> correct. But unfortunately... The other way to do that is that kind of disadvantages, not advantages, because what he likely means is I don't see any make or break things happening within the next few months between now and, and October, basically. So I expect I will start next season in a Portland uniform, but that doesn't guarantee anything about after that. <sighs> So, yeah. So let's let's parse it out. Okay. You have the Henry Abbott report, which people are bag bagging on, but I'm telling you, discount this at your peril because Henry yeah. is connected and Henry doesn't go with stuff that isn't real solid. So yeah. it's it's nearly guaranteed that somebody in Dame's orbit who is at least credibly enough connected to please True Hoop and True Hoop is, you know, fairly reputable. I am, and by fairly, I'm, I'm soft peddling it. They were some of the originators. And Henry is connected. So someone close enough to draw their attention relayed something about Dame being not comfortable in Portland, not, not completely committed to Portland, right? Now, it came out, obviously, yeah, he's, gonna, he's going to request a trade. By the way, we don't know... I mean, yes, that's, Dame came out and said differently, but would Dame have said differently had that not come, had the flashlight not shown on that? And here's the thing, with Dame's press conference, he did deny that, but the denial, even though it was emphatic, does not preclude that eventuality. He denied it, but there were asterisks, and the asterisks came in the Haynes article, which was to say, I don't like the direction we're going. I don't think that we have performed to the level I want to perform. I do want to win a championship. And this is the double-edged sword I talked about in my follow-up column. Before, when Dame has said, I want to win a championship in Portland, Blazers fans have gone, oh, he wants to be in Portland, and he hopes he wins a championship. I think it's clear that that has pivoted, that what he said this week was, I want to win a championship, and I hope that's in Portland. 
And those are two very different statements. And long story short, first of all, I think both articles were correct. I just think that, yeah, again, I, part of what Dame said in his press conference about the, the source is, look, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to follow sources. I'm not going to admit to what sources say, and nobody's going to talk about me but me. So if you want to know, you've got to ask me, and I will control the message, not the people around me, which is legitimate, by the way, and consistent with what Dame has always said. Like, if you want to know, you've got to ask me. I'm de- going to deny anything a source says, even though... Obviously, there's some credibility to it when you look at the whole picture. But what has changed in this for me, in my assessment, is, you know all that goodwill that people presume Dame had toward Portland? It's not there. He is neutral now. He's not anti-Portland, but he is not looking at this like a favored son who wants to show appreciation to the team that drafted him or whatever. He did that for nine years. It was very clear in that press conference that he's like, I'm weighing my options. And I am in a neutral position now, just like any other NBA player. And if you want to retain me, then you got to do something to keep me. And you're doing something to keep me means making moves to make better, make yourself better and make us better. And do not bank on the fact that I have been here because if things don't change, it's likely that I'm not going to be here. And that is a change in message. And that Blazer fans and those who follow the Blazers should probably perk up and listen to that because it's not idle and it is a big difference. Yeah. And then, you know, there was a follow up from Henry Abbott that basically said he stood by his reporting and uh, again, paraphrasing here, but that he didn't see Jody Allen, Neil Olshay and Dame Lillard operating under the same roof. Um, and I think that's telling, I, you know, I think you're right. I think over time you kind of start, especially when you're outside of just Twitter and you're actually in this world of, of media, you start to figure out who is consistent with their sources and who is cautious about just throwing things out there. And I think that, I think both the True Hoop article and the Chris Haynes article can be accurate. I also think that Dame and his statement can also be accurate. I think there's a lot of layers to this and a lot of what is is going on. It's not a straightforward. There's a lot of if this, then this. And so there's a lot up in the air right now. Uh, I mean, I obviously am hopeful that we keep Dame and get rid of Olshay. I think the majority of Twitter fan, not Twitter fans, the majority of Portland fans would agree with that, uh, given the option. Unfortunately, we don't get to vote. This is not, you know, Survivor. We don't get to choose who to vote off the island. So we are kind of stuck with um, whatever we're given. I think it would be idiotic to keep anybody over Dame at this point. I hope that we are not as idiotic as we occasionally have seemed to be lately. So, well, there are a couple of things about that. First of all, you got to, and this is why you should listen to this podcast, uh, because this won't, I mean, amid the noise about Dame's never leaving and he absolutely denied the thing and then Henry's standing by or whatever. Here's, here's how this works. Unless Lillard was ready to literally make that trade demand right then, at that moment, at that press conference in the middle of Team USA at the beginning of the summer, he had no choice but to come out and deny that. And I'm not saying that he lied or that he's not, that he's planning to make a trade demand. Right. I, I do not doubt that Damian Lillard knows that he has the power to make a trade demand. If nothing else, everybody in the NBA told him that after game five of the playoffs this year where he scored 55 and the team lost in double overtime and every 
pundit across the nation and half the NBA players were going, dang, they're wasting Dame, right? He knows. He knows he has that power. It is not a mystery to him. He also knows that that power is in play right now, both personally and with his brand, more than it ever has been. That if he were to say right now, I demand a trade, zero people would go, but you said you weren't going to two years ago, and that's a that's in violation of your statement and your brand. No, the Blazers have shown that they're not growing around him. Everybody will side with Dame on this one. He knows that he has that ability right now. He knows the time is ripe for doing it. However, he's not going to come out in that press conference and either say, yes, I'm going to do that, or kind of be in the mushy middle, because in the mushy middle will be as much as saying, yes, I'm going to do that. So he has to come out and legitimately say, no, I am not demanding a trade. That is accurate, 100% accurate. He told the truth, but that does not mean that his source is wrong, or Abbott's source is wrong. It does not mean that, that that's not in his back pocket, and that does not mean that it won't happen before September. It just means yeah. that on that date, he's not going to do it. And by the way, I suspect very, very strongly that if the Blazers are not succeeding and succeeding big time by February, this is going to be a, a done deal, that he, he will not last another summer in Portland. And the Blazers will not enter into next offseason with the chance to redeem themselves with him. He will demand a trade, whether it's... And here's the other thing. If, if he demands a trade, is he going to do it publicly? Is he going to do it through the media? He is not. No. 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 He's going to go, as he always says, to Olshay, And it's going to be done quietly, and it's going to be done firmly, but it's not going to be done in front of us. We're going to hear about it around the corners, yep. exactly like we heard that report. So there's no future in which he comes out in a press conference and says, I'm doing this. There's no way in a press conference he's going to say anything other than, I'm not really doing this. But that doesn't right. mean it's not being done. Which I, for one, have a lot of respect for, to be honest. I mean, if, if anybody's been listening to this podcast from the beginning, you heard me rant and rave about James Harden and how he went about forcing a trade and how I have an issue with that. I have a lot of respect for people like Dame, who I anticipate will do this in-house and privately and take care of it, where it is not a big media debacle that just becomes a, a, a circus. I, I appreciate that because the fact of the matter is, you know, he's been patient And he's been there for nine years. And in nine years, Neil has not done what he should have done. He's had opportunities. He hasn't put the players around Dame that he needed to put around him. And and quite frankly, I wonder if he even has the ability to at this point. He hasn't done it in all this time. So what's to say that now when we have, you know, I mean, I've seen people compare this to the Suns, how a couple years ago, the Suns, you know, they were one of the worst teams in the league and now they're in the finals. But the Suns had first round picks and they had things like that where they were able to, you know, build a team here. We we've got nothing. Neil has gotten rid of so much. We don't have a lot to work with here. And so I don't know how we and and also the Suns got rid of their well, but <laughs> well I, yeah. I mean know, I, first of all we picked DeAndre Ayton, right? Who is a hidden key in this. Right. right. They have Devin Booker right. blossoming, who is your Damian Lillard analogy. Right. Right. But they also got who? Chris Paul, which Blazers right. Edge fans will go, how does this get us Chris Paul? Well, the Suns did it. And yeah. by the way, <laughs> seriously, they got the one coach that I would have coveted even over Terry Stotts were Terry to go. 
They, the, the one guy, yeah, I mean, besides, same. okay, you know, you look at the big, big names, you know, and the, and the superstar coaches, okay. But uh, to talk about available coaches, they went out and got the one guy who was available when he was available. And they put all yeah. that together. The Blazers haven't done anything even remotely comparable. The best they did is well, they got use of Nurkic. But when they had high draft picks, they but, blew it. When they had cap space, they blew it. When they made trades, they've not brought in people who are significant. And, and I think Nurk was a happy accident. I don't think that was a purposeful move. I, he came as part of a package. And I don't think that the that the goal there was get Nurk. So, so really, what's the best thing that Neil has done on purpose as, as far as making moves like this? And you can't even count drafts because, well, we don't have them. So you look at this situation and it feels hopeless. It feels like a hopeless situation when you're looking at this. I want to sit here and say like, hey, things can change. You know, all it takes is one move. We're just, I mean, last season I was saying we're one big move away from being a contender, but we've made moves that in my opinion have taken us backwards since then. I don't think that we're in the same headspace we were a, a year ago. And I think that we're now in a situation, I mean, this kind of brings us to our next thing with Norman Powell. You know, now we're in this situation where we may or may not be able to keep him either. And so there's a lot here that's writing on what Neil does. And I don't have any confidence in his ability to do this the way that it needs to be done. I don't have I don't have the confidence in in Neil to be able to make a move like this. I frankly just don't see this as something that's going to come together. I, I think it's going down fast and 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 that's frustrating. I, I want to be able to say, you know, we're one or two moves away and, and anything can happen. But I just I don't know if I can say that at this point. Two things on that though. Number one is since Lillard is no longer in a neutral situation, the Blazers can't be either. And if it if it looks to them like they're going to get to the end of next season, he's just going to demand a trade. They need to be proactive about that. They need to start looking at what they can get for him now, because and by the way, the bar's pretty high. They, I mean, as you as you say, that the it's really narrow gate to get through there to get into contention from this team to where they're going to be. And I know injuries and health and stuff, but I keep telling everybody. When the Blazers got healthy is when they went on their stupid losing streak last year. I mean, the, when they got everybody back, they lost a lot of games before they made that end of the season run. Okay? So yeah. the health is not going to be the magic ticket. And if the Blazers see that it's going to go down, they've got to extract what they can for Lillard before he puts them in a corner. Period. So, I mean, they, they need to have... It's now in, in their options to deal him. But as you point out, I'm not sure Olshay's capable of doing that. I mean, he can't even deal CJ McCollum. He can't. He might not deal Yusuf Nurkic, who's on the last year of his deal. I mean, who knows? I hope at least he can do that. But you're right. Here's what here's what Olshay's been good at. Drafting guards. That is absolutely his pinnacle, absolute, wonderful, all-world skill. He Every time he's drafted a guard, it's been a good thing. Every time he's drafted at any other position... And most of his signings and most of his trades have been just either ineffectual or just bad. And cap management has been bad. So, I mean, that's, his epitaph, as far as I'm concerned, I'm letting this out early, will be he belongs as a lead scout, particularly drafting backcourt players. I mean, that's that you can't find anyone better, but probably not as a GM at this point. Uh, of course, that he'll view that as a horrible uh, insult, 
but look, it wasn't that much different in L.A. What he did was he got that Chris Paul trade, which was assisted by the league, by the way, because Chris Paul was going to the Lakers from New Orleans, but the league owned New Orleans because of the ownership uh, transfer. And after kind of approving that trade, all the NBA owners went ballistic and it got nixed, but they still had to trade Chris Paul because he can't keep him after that. And he wanted to go to L.A. So guess who was left? (laughs) It was the Los Angeles Clippers. And guess who was the lead exec? It was Neil Olshay. And so the league, not another GM, but the league cobbled together a trade with him that got Paul what he wanted and got him to L.A. And Olshay was the beneficiary. He went to Portland. He drafts Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. And they're same thing. You got one or two guards and then a couple other for decoration. and, And that's it. So in each place, he has survived on one move or one and a half here because I still can't get over Giannis being available when see I get it a lot of other people didn't draft him but dang I wouldn't have drafted him either I understand but <laughs> god so CJ came at a cost anyway uh that that's Olshay's thing I, he drafts I mean, guards and we don't need to draft a guard here we can't draft a guard no. there's no draft pick so I don't know he- what's going to happen Neil seems to be trying to put together the Portland Trail Clippers, so maybe he can get us Chris Paul. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the problem is it wouldn't do any good at this point. I know, Dave, I know. I'm just dying over here. There's just no... Paul George, that's the answer. Paul George. I can't, I can't, I can't. I, I, we might, we might, we might have to, uh... You keep Dame if you get Paul George. (sighs) Don't make me make that decision i can't Norman Powell, Damian I, do you Lillard, think Paul do you George? think do you think paul george and dame could function well together yep. like do you think they can put aside all the stuff yep yep okay i do because dame will well, play i think dame will play with anyone i think he's like vince mcmahon he doesn't like certain people but you know what if they're going to get him ahead he will do it and i think paul george right, needs fine. some redemption and by the way Kawhi leonard is injured so that whole playing with Kawhi thing that they wanted to do now i don't think george is going to be happy going from la to portland and i i don't know if the clippers will trade him i think those two things will mess up the deal and by the way why should the clippers trade him for cj because cj i mean he's not going to do he's not going do them any good although they could get a draft pick probably in the year that Kawhi's injured but I'm not sure they wouldn't rather have George under those circumstances but yeah get Paul George and this turns around that's one of the moves that you can make but good luck doing that I don't I don't know I don't know how I feel about that but I again I say this several times a year I am glad that this is not my job um, because I would probably not be good at it so there we are. Um, so n- moving on to Norman Powell. Um, Norman Powell has declined his option. So he basically puts himself out there for teams to make offers to. Um, it has been reported that he's going to be a priority for Portland to try to get back. Uh, so, you know, this is an interesting thing. We, we talked about this a little bit when the initial trade was made. Um, because we would have kind of had some control with Gary Trent Jr. Because he, even though his his contract was up, um, we would have had the option to match any offer that came in for him. So if a team offered him twenty million dollars, uh, we would have the opportunity to match that, and and he would have to stay. Basically, that's how that works. Um, so we would have had at least some control with that. Whereas with um, with Norman Powell he can walk, he can go wherever 
he wants. So we really have no control. The best we can do is try to make a good offer to him and hope that he wants to play for the team. I I would have said a few months ago that I think we have a pretty good shot at that right now with the way that things are going and the way that everything seems to feel like it's just kind of blowing up. It, it, he's only been with the team for a short time. It might be easier for him to just walk away and go start somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, the key thing is the variables. And first of all, let's reiterate something we said last week for anybody who missed it. You put your franchise in control of somebody who's not you. And by the way, if they cannot sign Norman Powell, if he walks, what trade can the Blazers make now to get better? They're back in the same situation they were. That any burden uh, on a CJ trade is enormous because you not only have to replace CJ, you have to get better replacing CJ. Because the next guy up, if Powell's gone, is Anthony Simons, and he's. If we talk about, we love him for what he, how he's grown. But I don't think anybody envisions him as the starting shooting guard instead of CJ McCollum, and this team getting better. Okay, so uh, yeah, the, the the burden on the CJ trade if Powell does not resign is absolutely enormous. It's hard to see them going any direction but laterally with that. And in that case, going even marginally laterally, it's going to be really hard for them to contend, which means it's going to be hard for them to keep Dame. So look at look at the dominoes you've set in place. And the initial one, you don't even get to decide whether you knock it down or whether it doesn't happen. Norman Powell gets to. So that's that's difficult. But here's here's the other thing, the other hoops you have to jump through. Will ownership be willing to go into the luxury tax for Powell? Because that's probably what they're looking at. Um, and I would say yes, but that's not my decision. Also, uh, can you then make a credible CJ trade? And the bar is much lower, so this is what you're going to do. We've talked about that. You've got to do this. But then there's something riding on that trade. If that trade doesn't come through for CJ, then you're stuck with that three-guard lineup, which, again, I don't think anybody thinks that the Blazers are going to win a championship with that. Uh, If you don't make the right trade, they're not going to get better. And again, you're looking at losing Dame. And if you lose Dame, how good is Norman Powell for you? Like, does he help things, or is he just an expensive piece of luggage? Now, the, the benefit is if you don't overpay him, and I don't think they will, I think he'll get around $20 million, which is reasonable. Okay, I think they can still trade him at that point. But the reality is, if the bad thing happens and he walks, you're screwed. If the good thing happens and he stays, three other things have to happen, or you're screwed. So that's like, <laughs> okay, there's, there's a lot of variables here that just aren't assured. And that's that's not where you want your franchise to be. You talk about one move away. Your one move is filled with so many question marks. I mean, the obvious move that you've got to make is filled with so many question marks that you're not even sure if it's the move at this point. That's a problem. I think there's just a lot of question marks in general with this team right now. I, I, I mean, really any move that's made, it feels a little bit like a domino effect where if you make this move, this move, this move, and this move still has to happen. Um, it, it, it feels a lot like, have you ever played that game Jenga? Yes. Where you take one block out from the bottom and then you have to stack it precariously back on the top. And pretty soon you have this not quite solid structure that feels like it's going to fall at any minute. And if you pull out the wrong piece, it can fall. Or if you put the piece in the wrong place, it can fall. 
that's kind of how this feels to me right now. It feels like we have some pieces here, but we need to take some out and we need to move them around and we need to get rid of some. And in the process of this, one wrong move can bring the whole thing crashing down. Um, so I, it feels stressful. It just feels stressful. Yeah. So anyway, simplifying this out, if the Blazers do not re-sign Norman Powell, they're in a world of hurt. And that's that's just step one is the next step, and that's get him back in Portland's uniform. But understand that that's not a sufficient step. There's steps two or three. And hope the ownership doesn't veto that and veto the luxury tax or give you a mandate of you can't go over X amount. Pay what you got to to get him back in the fold. You may have to pay extra. Who knows? But do it because you cannot replace him. And you cannot replace the depth that he brings that then allows you to make other moves. Uh, it's, it's just it's flat out not possible. The only guy that could have even partially replaced him is the guy you traded for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, there's a lot riding on this one move. It feels like, but I think again we're going to feel that with a lot of things this this off season. Well, and which again you don't want to be on this edge, but the Bla- the Blazers have been on this edge since 2016. They have never gotten the ed- off the edge of the cliff. They've just fooled themselves or maybe some of us about it. But y- there was there was another thing that was critically important in that is that when Powell when they picked up Powell. The A reason, the A side reason, was to do better in the playoffs, right? I mean that, that, that that's right. that's the fail safe. They didn't. They 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 absolutely positively did not. And by the way, you could say, well, they got you know didn't have the right seed, or that there was no better seed to have than an injured Denver Nuggets team that they could have reasonably gotten. There just wasn't one. You want to go up against Phoenix? That wasn't working out pretty well. You know, uh, you weren't going to go up against the Lakers, but I'm not sure they could have. Well, the Lakers were injured, so maybe that was available. I don't think I don't think the Blazers could beat the Jazz. I'm not sure the Blazers could beat the Clippers. That would have been the other one, but certainly an injured Denver Nuggets team. Phoenix swept them in the next round, so there was no better draw. They got exactly what they wanted, and they couldn't do it. So your A side reason is gone. All right, now you're putting all your chips on the B-side reason that you got him, which was to retain him. So you're not even, you're not even going all in on, the, on your best hand. You're going on your backup plan. I, I, I don't know how to describe to you how precarious this is, but I don't think I have to if you've been watching this team since LaMarcus Aldridge left. It's been one thing like this after another. And the question is, when is it going to stop? And the answer is, I don't think management's going to stop it. doesn't look like ownership is going to stop it. You know who's going to stop it? Damian Lillard. And he's going to stop it by starting a new era. It, it just doesn't feel fair. <laughs> it just doesn't feel fair. It's so, and, and I don't know in what world anybody chooses to keep. Well, anyway, that's a whole other conversation, I guess. I just, I, it's so frustrating. It's frustrating as a Blazer fan. It's frustrating as a Damian Lillard fan because I also want him to succeed and I want to see him win a ring before the end of his career. So there's a sense in which, you know, y- you, as a Blazer fan, I watch this and I think, man, this really sucks. I don't want to see him leave. Um, and maybe he won't. Maybe by some miraculous move, somebody gets their act together and we actually put together something that will work. I, I don't know. Maybe it's possible. It's, it's not plausible, but it's possible 
Um, do you and, think Dame, do you think Dame's going to buy what's work though? We need to redefine work because up till now, getting to the second round worked, and the conference finals was happy time for everybody. Do you think Dame will be satisfied with the second round loss? Is no. that enough to keep him? No. So no. work has I, to I be think, above. Go ahead. I think. Yeah, I think Western Conference Finals. I think if you can get him to the Western Conference Finals, then maybe, depending on where that leaves them the next year. If, if you can get him to the Western Conference Finals with a team that they can maintain and play again well the next year, maybe tweak a little bit and make a little bit better, then then maybe. But I, I think if, if he does not see a team that's put together that can then lead to a, a championship in the next year or two, I think he's out. Because like he said, he wants to win a ring. And I think, you know, I, there have been times where he's said in the past that that's not the most important thing that he wants to finish his career in Portland, that this is where he wants to be. And I believe that that was how he felt at the time. But I think with all of the controversy and everything that's happened over this last few weeks, I think maybe that's shifted and changed. I don't think Dame is the kind of, and, and again, you know, I say these things, this is total speculation. I am not speaking for him. I cannot speak for him, but he seems to me in, in all of this to be the kind of person that d just doesn't want to have to deal with this. And, and honestly, can you blame him? Because I'm not even on the team and I don't want to deal with this. There's, there, it's just, it's such an, a mess of a situation and it's such a drastic turnaround from, and I know that there were things that were going on behind the scenes, but for the most part, it seemed like that, you know, the, the community within the team, within the organization was pretty good. Um, we've talked about that before. And, and to go from that to feeling like no one is on the same page, I, I feel like Dame wants to be able to go in and focus on basketball and not feel like he has to be running everything. And I think he's in a position right now where he's having to, you know, shove his weight around a little to make things happen. And he shouldn't have to do that as a player. He should be able to go in and play and not feel like there's pressure on him to push one way or another to make change. And so to me, I think that if, if, if they don't do this, if they don't put something together within the next year or two, that looks like it's going to actually win a championship, then I, I think he might be out. Well, on the same page, some of our colleagues, I think would claim that they're burning the book at this point actively, but here, uh, in the abstract, I think your conference finals assessment I can live with, except for, and here's another reason to listen to this podcast, look at, look at what's going on around this. Let's say they make it to the conference finals. This is uh, Yusuf Nurkic's last contract year, uh, also for Robert Covington. We presume that they would be instrumental in that. But in order to continue that on for another year, then they'd have to re-sign them at inflated prices at that point. So now they're already luxury tax, and they're going deeper into the luxury tax, okay? Um, they made the conference finals, but not an NBA championship. How do they get better then for the next year? They've already spent more than all the money they have, right? Um, they've maybe, I, I would presume at that point they would have made a trade, and, and more power to them. I presume that would a CJ trade has to happen to make that happen. But how do you lever? They, they would have had to get someone pretty darn good in that CJ trade, which makes me suspect that they're trading away something else like a young player or what have you, maybe a draft pick, because you know what? CJ in his, on his own isn't enough to lever a star. So you've got a really expensive team that didn't quite make it. And your future ass assets, you don't have a lot of them to spend to make the team better. You have no money to make the team better, and you can't spare any of the players you already have to make the team better. How do you make the team better that next year? 
And this is the problem. It's, it's going to be really difficult. So what it ends up being by default is the Blazers had better either make the finals or get really, really like, you know, within two minutes of making the finals or win a championship this year. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard to demonstrate why Lillard should stay. And that's the reason yeah. I say this is, again, you, you said a while ago, did to make it work. And this is something else that has changed literally right now that we know has changed in the last week. Make it work no longer means what it used to mean. Yeah. <laughs> make it work doesn't yeah. mean win a playoff series. The Making it work, it's a lot higher ladder to climb right now. Yeah. And, and it should be. It should be, frankly. He should be able to expect this. And 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 honestly, he's been incredibly patient. They they've they've there are moves that could have been made and things that could have been done that could have put us in a very different place over the last nine years, but they haven't. And so here we are. So, you know, he has every right, in my opinion, to be saying, listen, this is this is where I'm at, this is what I want. Um, so I don't know. I it's gonna be interesting. I, I'm a little I'm a little anxious about it. I don't really love the idea of him leaving, but I also don't really love the idea of him going down on a sinking ship that Portland seems to be at the moment. So I don't know. It's, it's, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, all this stuff that's happened just in this off season, I'm afraid has drastically changed me as a Blazer fan. And uh, I just don't have that same optimistic outlook I, I feel a little a little less optimistic right now. I hope that when the season starts and things settle in, that that'll start to come back. But right now, it just feels like blow after blow after blow, and um, it's it's a struggle to be very optimistic about this right now. Yeah, I mean, and with some experience, you can say that new eras do begin. So there's always reason to keep going, and there will be there will be life after Damian Lillard. There was life after Clyde Drexler. I mean, there was life after Rasheed Wallace. There's life after Damian Lillard. There is. But the thing is, and the objection that you have is not that Damian Lillard has had his life cycle, not even that he might demand a trade from Portland, right? It's literally that the, the mistakes that kept the Blazers from reaching their theoretical pinnacle with Lillard have not been addressed or admitted and the thing that scares you is not the beginning of a new era. It's the beginning no. of a new era repeating the same crap. And yeah. that's what can't happen. Okay? That's what, I'm, yeah. that's what I'm saying is it feels like it's a sinking ship. It, it doesn't feel like, you know, Dame's moving on. We're making trades to try to build the future of the team. Because I get it. I get that Dame's 31 now and at the end of his prime. And so you you essentially, if you build around Dane, you're building a now team. You're not building a future team. You're building a, we need to win a championship and we need to win it now team. And, and I felt like last year that seemed to be the direction they were going, but, but I would understand if they looked at where we were at, as far as our, our, you know, cap space, as far as our lottery pick or not lottery picks, draft picks, as far as the things that we had going on, um, I could see the team maybe saying, you know what? We can't do it. We can't do it in the next couple of years. We can't put this winning team around him. We need to start fresh. We need to rebuild. Um, we need to take him while he's valuable to us, like you were saying earlier, and do something with him now that will give us high return. I, I wouldn't love it, 
but I could understand it. I could understand if, you know, they said, we're going to change management. We changed the coaching staff. We're going to change management. We're going to clean house. We're going to change things up, but that's not what's happening. What's happening is Neil's burning down the place and with no hope of rebuilding. It just feels like this. It just feels like we are all caught in this sinking ship and there's no help on the horizon. We're just slowly going down. Well, I mean, that ship will become a submarine uh, and it'll resurface. Look, it'll be the team of Anthony Simons and Nasir Little for a while. I'm trying, I was scrambling as you were talking to think of who else you could, uh, I mean, there, there's not a lot, I mean, Harry Giles, if he stays, I don't know. Uh, but look, can you think of any other young players that you're really excited about at this point besides Ant and Nasir Little? On our team? Yeah. We don't have a lot of young players. Exactly. Most of our players which, are older. By the way, might go out in prospective CJ trade, which we'll hope that that, you know, if that happens, that'll be the win now. But gosh, if it didn't, boy, the cupboard would be really bare. And there's no draft pick this year. So there's a lot. Yeah, there's there, there are two problems. First of all, you don't have a lot of young assets, right, to build on. So that that ship is going to submarine. Um, it will resurface. There's always the t- tomorrow. Okay. The other problem besides it's going to take longer because they don't have a lot of young assets is that the exit interview for Olshay is going to say, well, you can't win in Portland. And you know what? BS. You can't win in Portland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, and the, 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 I think the Blazers franchise will need to have a lot of soul searching and, and especially because, you know, Paul Allen, for all his ups and downs and perhaps faults, at least kept that sense of optimism going. We're going to do this. We're going to spend the money. It is possible, right? Neil hasn't done that. Neil's been too big for not only his britches, but for Portland. And he said continuously, you can't get free agents to come to Portland. You can't get whatever. And people go, oh, that's realistic. Oh, that's right. You know what? No, that, that it is possible to get free agents to come to Portland. I don't know about Premier. You're not going to get LeBron James to come to Portland unless you draft his son. But you, 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 you can get quality players to come to Portland. You can get better than, God bless him, Evan Turner and Al-Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless. You can get better players than that to come to Portland. You can, okay? But Neil hasn't. But that's not going to be admitted. It's going to be, well, Portland kind of sucks, and this is who they're always going to be. So the entire franchise is going to have to be basically, you know, get fungicide and deep cleaned and all this after this regime as a part of the submarine trip under the water. And when it resurfaces, it's going to have to be a completely different franchise because it's been torn down in a way that has not happened since the Jailblazers era. And ironically enough, Olshay was the one who was supposed to pull the Blazers out of the stink of that after Kevin Pritchard had started it. And instead, we get kind of part two, except it's not the players, it's the office. It's just, it's, I mean, and and you talk about young players, you know, there's been, now they've said they're not going to be bringing Zach Collins back. He was another one that was on the younger side. Um, You know, we just, we don't have a lot to build on and and yeah i know i know that there's this stuff cycles through i know that but i'm also in my prime dave i'm also in my prime and i don't want to wait till i'm old to see the blazers win a championship i want it now heaven forbid you should be Uh, 39 before they get good 
Oh. Half, half of the people just almost drove off the road hearing you say that, Tia. <laughs> There, there is, there is life after thirty six. Uh, there, there is. I promise. I know. I know. I just, I'm. I say that half jokingly, but, but really, it's you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's so much more fun to be a fan of a team that has a Damian Lillard or has a Clyde Drexler or something like that. You know, there, there's, there's something about that. You have this kind of pride. I know. Again, I live in L.A. But when I walk around with with my Damian Lillard jersey or T-shirt or whatever, I get so many conversations. Nobody nobody doesn't like Dame. Everybody likes Dame. You know, I, I mean, people stop me to talk about Dame. And it's it's a fun thing to get to be a part of. And so there's a part of me that just that makes me sad to think about a future without Dame. Um, you know. No, I I know that there will be other players like that. I this that's part of the sport. But I think when there's somebody like him who has been so outspoken about wanting to be in Portland and things like that, you get attached. You let yourself. I had never bought a jersey. I mean, now I have more than just Dame, but I had never bought a jersey until I bought a Damian Lillard jersey because my thing was, well, what about when the players leave? You know, they're going to leave eventually. So you buy this jersey and then they're gone. And and Damian Lillard was the one that kind of convinced me to buy a jersey because it was like, you know, he's he's here. He's in it for the long haul. And, you know, since then, my perspective on that has changed a little bit and it doesn't bother me so much. But it's those kinds of things where it's like you you want to you want to invest in that in not like emotionally. You want to invest in these players and, and get on board with them. And so then when when we're at this point now where we're looking at a possible future with him still in the NBA and not on the Blazers, it's a sad thing. It, it, it kind of feels like a loss and that's, it, it's just hard. It's hard to even think about at this point. I'm trying to not think too much about it because we're not there yet. I think it's one of those things that I think for me personally, I'd rather just wait till we get there and enjoy him while we have him. Are you sure? Because we could go Simpsons. Like, won't somebody think of the children? Because I know that every moment that has made my son a fan of the Blazers and of the NBA has centered around Damian Lillard. That's just the yeah. way it is. I mean, he's 13. So, I mean, that's he's exactly the right age to adopt it. And Dame is exactly the right player to make him do it. And he saw the Oklahoma City shot and that like cemented him for life. And now like the story, I mean, do you bless the Blazers for bringing in Lillard? Yeah. I mean, that's full credit. Good move. But also, do you look at him kind of sidelong for not being able to capitalize on it? Also, yeah. So, yeah. but you know what? Let's let's end this on a cheery note because who else do you like from Blazers history, Dia? Who else is a fave? Damian Lillard. Oh, I wasn't, wasn't going to go there yet. I want to talk about Space Jam first. Oh, you want to talk about Space Jam? I want to okay. talk about, yeah. And you okay. actually gave me a really good transition. Okay, go um, for it. Because your, your son, you know, really loving the Blazers because of Damian. That's kind of how I have three kids. My daughter's eight. She's obsessed with Damian Lillard. She loves him. My five-year-old, almost six, he's going to be six this week. My six-year-old son uh, refuses to be a Blazer fan and instead is a fan of the Fireballs, which he refuses to call the Suns. Um, so he's, he's, and I actually told him the other day that they were called the Suns and he got really mad and told me I need to call the team and tell them to change their name. Go Fireballs. And, 
Yeah, and my littlest, who's four, is a fan of CJ McCollum because uh, one day he saw him wearing red shoes and it has never been the end of it. He always wants to know what color shoes CJ is wearing and he has become a fan of him. So, you know, as kids, you pick up on these things and you you it's a, it can be a silly thing that that attaches you to someone, but it's there. Um you know, Space Jam just came out. My kids have been so excited about it. We sat down and watched the original so that they'd be prepared, uh, which, by the way, I hadn't watched that in a while, and it was weird. I mean, it, it's a good movie, and I there's a lot of nostalgia there for me, but watching it as an adult, I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. Um, so I took them to the movie theater to see Space Jam. Um, they were totally into it, absolutely loved it. They were asking, they knew Dame was in it. And so from the time we sat down and the, the beginning of the movie started, all three of them, mom, when's Dame going to be in it? When's Dame? Where's Dame? When is he going to be on the movie? Which I shouldn't have told him he was coming. And then, you know, they, they knew he was on the goon squad and the goon squad comes out and Damian Lillard isn't part of that initially. You don't see him introduced as, as, as part of the goon squad. So my kids are still just anticipating this and anticipating this. And finally, it gets to a point where they're, you know, alluding to this other player and Don uh, Chadell, is that Chadell? Chettle? I don't know how you say his name. Cheadle? The actor. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm so bad with those names. I like Chadell, um, though. He, I am Don Chadell. <laughs> I read things and I don't hear them. And so then in my head, I pronounce them differently. Anyway, I figured out who you were talking about. I did pretty good there. All right. We, yeah, we got there. We got there. So he comes out and he says, do you know what time it is? And you keep in mind, we live in LA land of the Lakers. And this is a LeBron movie. So he says, do you know what time it is? And my eight year old daughter, bless her heart, leaps out of the movie seat, throws her hands in the air and yells, it's Dame time at the top of her lungs in the movie theater. And sure enough, she was right. And Damian Lillard came out and, you know, you could hear people kind of laughing and whatever, but she was just so thrilled and they thought it was the coolest part of the movie. And I think, again, you know, this goes to all those things where you just get so excited to be a part of this kind of legacy in Portland that, that Dame has been. And, and I think, you know, getting to be, a fan of the team he plays on and then getting to go watch him in the movie theater on a movie. It was just really cool. It was really cool. And I, for what it's worth, thought the movie was great. This is not supposed to be, you know, an Academy Award winning movie. It's Space Jam. It's Looney Tunes. LeBron is a cartoon. Like, you have to know that going in. It was great. It was entertaining. Music was good. Storyline was good enough. It was It was good. It was entertaining. Excellent. So Love it. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'll admit, I've not seen either Space Jam movie. Really? I, really, never. The first one's weird as an adult, but it's still good. I liked it. It was, it, you know, I mean, I, I watched it as a kid and I loved it, but I hadn't watched it in probably, I don't know, 20 years maybe. And so when I sat down to watch it with the kids, it was like, oh, it's been a while since I've seen this and this is weird. I don't remember this, but it was good. It was yeah. good. Names from the past that you forgot. So anyway, now we're ready to seg into the, yeah. the big fun thing. Okay, besides Damien Lillard, yeah. we, we all love Dame, but there's someone yeah. else that you have a passion for in particular from Trailblazers history. Who's the yes. other guy? So Clyde Drexler has uh -huh. obviously, that's that's how I became a Trailblazer fan. And um, who'd you get to talk to this week? I, I got to talk to Clyde Drexler 
um, you know, this is, it's one of those things that's, it's interesting because when I started getting into this world and having, you know, getting to do little things here and there and shooting players with my camera, I always feel like I need to specify that because yeah, yeah shooting, yep. taking pictures and video of players and things like that. Like you kind of get to meet some of them. You get to talk to them. You have interactions with certain ones. You know, I got at one point I got to interview CJ McCollum. Um, that was really cool. So I, I've had these moments and I've never really been starstruck uh, it's always very cool and they're always very nice, but it's not this like starstruck moment. Well, this weekend I was in Las Vegas shooting the big three tournament uh, for Swiss cultures and um, Clyde Drexler is actually the commissioner of the big three. And um, I, I thought to myself as I was going, I wonder if he'll be there. Like that would be so cool if he was there and I got to like take a picture of him you know, that would be so cool to be in the same room as him. And then uh, I had a meeting the night before with a guy that um, works in that arena. And he had been meeting with Clyde that day. And he was like, oh, yeah, he'll be there. And the the sweating and the shaking and the nerves began the night before. I barely slept. Um, I was so nervous about the possibility of being in the same room as him. <laughs> it was a thing. So I got there. And I'm sitting on the court, you know, the players are warming up and things like that. And uh, about 10 feet away from me, Clyde walks in and sits down in the front row, just right there, 10 feet from where I was. And before I could lose my nerve, I set my camera down. I walked over to him and I said, hi, Clyde Drexler. My name's Dia and you don't know me, but I've been a fan of yours since I was a little kid. And I just... I forgot how to be a human. I was so nervous and I didn't know what the heck was coming out of my mouth. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and he was so kind and he sat and talked to me for probably 10, 15 minutes, just had a conversation, um, you know, told me his family was going to be there to come back and talk to him later when they were there. He'd introduce me to him. Just such a nice guy. Everything that I had hoped that Clyde would be, he absolutely was. Um, I picked myself up off the seat, <laughs> went back and continued shooting. Um, and for the, I actually missed him. He, he got out before I was able to talk to him again, but for the rest of the day, I just kept saying out loud to myself, Oh my gosh, I met Clyde Drexler <laughs> and just having this surreal moment. It was, it was, it was definitely like a top four moment of my life. And I have three children. So that tells you something about it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, actually, you outrank me now. Uh, I have not talked to Clyde. But I, I can empathize with it. I was doing media stuff uh, by the time I met, you know, anybody who had been a childhood hero of mine. But to talk basketball with Maurice Lucas and Jerome Kersey, which I've done, um, um, Mario Eli, Nate McMillan, obviously LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, didn't talk much with Greg Oden, but at least shared a couple sentences with him. I mean, there's there's something to that. Uh, and yeah. there's there's always a little part of you that's going, this is cool, right? <laughs> and and, it, and it once, first of all, you realize it does two things. First of all, it, it almost elevates them even farther because you realize how difficult it is to do what they have done and to be who they are. And when you see it up close and you talk to them and you realize that this is your biggest achievement, kind of basketball-wise, to talk to Clyde Drexler. But right, right. this is 
this is like a very minor blip in this man's yeah. life and that the, the, the pinnacles he has climbed to uh, are amazing. So, I mean, it almost elevates them in that way when you see it up close, but it also really humanizes. It's like, these are people, these are people doing a job and it is, you, you get to look at them and you get to realize that person, you're a person, I'm a person, we are people. And that's part of the beauty of this game is we would have never intersected, but we're intersecting in this wonderful way because of what you have done. And because of what I love, that is really cool. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yay! I, I'm happy for you. Uh, <laughs> I empathize with w- what you're, you know, experienced, and I think it's really cool. Yeah, I managed to not, you know, yell that I had him on my life-size poster of him on my wall. I, I held that. I thought that was coming. Yeah, that's like <laughs> I had you on my wall. No, and it's and it's funny because you know I've mentioned before that I work with Josh Childress, and and he knows him, and so I had said to Josh, you know, that I was probably going to, that there was a possibility that I was going to get to meet him. And, you know, I'm kind of freaking out. And Josh was like, just tell him you work with me. Tell him I said he was a nice guy, you know? And of course I forgot to say that. Like I, all the things that like you, that I was planning on having these, I, I didn't, I just, I'm sure I sounded like a crazy person, but you know, there's a part of me too, that it's like so much of my love for the Blazers and, and for basketball and, and, and really essentially the reason that I'm here and doing what I'm doing it stems down to to him. And so to be sitting there face to face with this person that was essentially an idol as a child who who created this love of something that, you know, 30 some odd years later is still such a great love in my life. Um, it's it's it was wild. It was wild and and definitely um, a really cool moment. You know, it's possible if I get to go out and shoot again for the big three, I will have another opportunity. And this time I will get a normal picture, you know, where I don't look like a, a crazy person. <laughs> and, and you'll ask him on the podcast. But um, yeah. Yeah. but this too yeah. uh, provides the ray of hope, right? This is the perspective on the Lillard thing. There will come a, thing, a day when Damian Lillard is 40 or 50 and he's playing for no one. Yeah. His career is over. And everyone who loves him now we'll be able to look back and say the same things we said about Clyde. You didn't win a title here. He didn't win a ring here. But he did so much to inspire a generation of basketball that we can say with confidence, we would not be the same unless you did what you did. And there is an honor and there is an integrity and a joy to that that will endure no matter whether Dame wins a championship here next year or whether he demands a trade. And in the long run, that's going to be just as powerful. And uh, I will tell you that meeting, you know, or sitting and talking with Maurice Lucas as an assistant coach was just as powerful as it was when I was a very, very little kid and got his autograph in some kind of bank signing thing and could barely go up to him and look at him. So it's not just the titles and it's not just the, it's the life change that happens because these guys exist. And Dame has already done that for Portland. So in the very long run, we can rest assured that that will endure. Yeah. Yeah. It just was really, you know, it's a good reminder of, of how I, I look at my daughter, my eight year old daughter who is such a fan of Dame and how, and I remember being a kid 
when Clyde got traded to the Rockets. And I was actually about her age when that happened. And I became, I was still a Clyde fan. I maintained my love for the Blazers, but I also loved Clyde. And I followed the rest of his career as he played for the Rockets. I just cheered for them as well. And I, I think about that and, and, you know, as devastating as it would be to lose Dame for me, for her, I, I, I hope it'll teach her the same kind of lessons that it taught me as a kid, you know, that, that, that you cheer for who you want to cheer for. And if that's a person and a player, then great. If it's a team, then great. You know, this is all supposed to be fun and enjoyable. And I think, um, you know, hopefully Dame stays with Portland. Hopefully some changes get made. Hopefully we win a championship. But if that doesn't happen, um, you know, I, I obviously wish him well and all the other players that, you know, may or may not return next year. So we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. It's going to be, I have a feeling that the craziest things have maybe not happened yet. And that's saying a lot. Exactly. It's speaking of fun and enjoyable. It's been fun and enjoyable to do this with all of you. We will be back next week with even more news, hopefully a slightly calmer week. I mean, and poor Zach Collins. We'll spend some time talking about Zach Collins someday. Every time, every time he gets major news, it's buried under a landslide of, of Damian Lillard. But uh, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, we'll talk about you soon, Zach. And for all the rest of you, if you have other topics, you can send them to blazersub at gmail.com in the form of questions. Or you can also hit us up on Twitter at Dave Deckard or at Deandra Ann with lots of A's and N's. It's, you know, just look up uh, Deandra podcast uh, Blazers and and until then we will see you soon a hater sees an opening down the lane moves towards the hoop but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away saying get that weak stuff out of here Dave scoops up the loose ball now it's a fast break the other way with Dia she's flying down the court Dave comes here and out of you she jams it boom shakalaka Cloud is on his feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent!